This, 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 this is the Apparelist Podcast, designed to bring you real-life conversation about high-level topics relevant to the decorated apparel community. Hey, everybody. Welcome to yet another amazing episode of the Apparelist Podcast. We are still in the infancy of our broadcast here, but I have to say, um, you know, from personal experience that thus far, the topics have been incredibly engaging a lot of fun. I hope all of you listeners out there are enjoying it as well. This episode, we are talking about a topic that is personally near and dear to my heart, but is also becoming just a massive point of conversation in the apparel industry. I am talking about sustainability. We can't ignore it any longer. It's no longer a conversation point. It is now an actionable item with so many companies across the industry looking to change their policies. We're also seeing a lot of laws and regulations starting to come to fruition. So let's talk about it. Let's enlist the experts. And speaking of experts today, I am joined by David from Alpha Broder and Abe from Threadfast, two people who I feel are more than qualified to talk on this topic. So Abe and David, welcome. Thank you, glad to be here. Thanks, Cassie. Cassie, thanks for having us. We're excited about this. Yeah, and as I mentioned, I mean, I feel like you guys have a lot to say. You're the experts, so let's give our listeners some insight. I kind of want to kick things off. A lot of data rolling around on the topic of sustainability, so let's maybe kind of talk about that. Let's just touch on, you know, high level. Can you know? And I'll, I'll start with you, Abe. Any data points you can share in terms of, you know how much waste really is happening in the apparel industry? What are you kind of seeing on your level? So there's two types of momentum that we're seeing gaining uh, traction. One is trying to eliminate waste in the supply chain. So we talk about inputs like um, fibers and materials, whether it's organic or recycled. Uh, But we're also looking at byproducts that happen during the production cycle. So things like, you know, scraps coming off the cutting room floor, getting repurposed, shredded, and re-engineered into fresh yarn or recycled cotton yarn. So that's one area where we're seeing a lot of progress with regards to waste. Um, You know, the other area is post-consumer. So there's a bunch of um, companies that are really in their infancy. One got a little bit of publicity recently, a company by the name of Retold Recycling, where I think it was actually on Shark Tank, uh, Mark Cuban made his his investment, where they're actually encouraging consumers that would maybe throw their used T-shirt in a... um, you know, in a, in, a, in a bin at a parking lot someplace or, um, you know, somehow try to keep that out of the um, out of the trash. Um, they're actually having business models develop where they're mailed back uh, on a periodic basis. And then, um, you know, companies will try to recycle that as a post-consumer initiative. So those are the two big, big things I'm seeing in terms of, um, you know, progress with regards to waste. Interesting. David, anything you want to add to that? I mean, anything you guys are seeing on your end or talking about um, a lot? Well, from our perspective, it's primarily up the supply chain. I mean, we're working with all of our partners in the supply side. Uh, They've all got various initiatives um, and a really serious focus um, on sustainability and looking at their footprints and things like that, that they're doing um, to improve their, as they mentioned, their manufacturing processes, things like that. So, 
you know, we're beginning to go, I'm going to work on scorecards for our manufacturing partners. Um, and each of them honestly are, are, are showing up with a lot of their own scorecards. They're, they're doing the, the work themselves and which is great to see. Um, this is not something that I think that's being really resisted. I think the good news is from what we've seen, it's a really positive and everyone's like on board with doing this. I mean, everyone realizes the, uh, the value it, it possesses. So that's been, that's been great. I think the challenge I think is going to be, you know, as we begin to try to make these things consumable and digestible from the, from the consumer, from our customer or the end user, you know, that there doesn't seem to be a lot of consistency. So you, you've got a lot of inconsistency and there's a lot of different numbers get thrown around, different data points get thrown around. I think it's a, it, we're just in that stage right now, kind of thrashing a little bit to figure out, okay, how do we organize this and how do we, how do we get to something that's, that's pretty consistent and that is, a, I wouldn't say universal, but somewhat consistent so people have a way of really understanding what they're looking at. Because there's a lot of, I think, um, terminology that gets thrown around. And I think people are doing it, let's just say, for the right reasons and, and not you know, any malice involved. But I think a lot of things get thrown around and people are a little bit confused. So I think one thing we're trying to do on our side is to simplify it down a little bit and make it clearer and, and cleaner as we present our products. So if these become criteria for you, you know, we've got, we've got a, a system on our website, alphabrother.com, that you can simply go in. And we've got, we've got kind of three levels of sustainability that we're, we're tracking, sustainable materials, sustainable manufacturing, and, just, and responsible mindset. And that last one is just something that, you know, with the other two are pretty, pretty um, self-explanatory. Responsible mindset, uh, these are products that have a give back um, associated with them in some way, some sort of give back to um, to the the the, uh, the earth, to the world. You know, some somehow giving things back. I mean, even these guys have a great uh, planet tree concept. So that would be the thing like that would fall in that kind of category. So we're trying to make it kind of simple and digestible, I think, for people as the more and more um, information, more data comes comes on board. One interesting little uh, anecdote, I guess I would say, is around Mark Cuban. Um, this has been several years back, but Mark Cuban was really a, 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 a front, front runner in sort of the whole white out, blue out, you know, kind of events at the Mavericks games. And I think that they, all the NBA kind of picked up on that. So it's done in college games as well. And uh, there's a story, one of our customers uh, works at the Mavericks in Dallas, and they conveyed the story to us that Mark was walking out of the arena one night after, after a white out, and he sees all these shirts just in the trash, you know. Abe just mentioned the, uh, the, the uh, company that was on Shark Tank. So he sees all these shirts in the trash. And so he goes back to his marketing team and says, well, you know, what, 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 what is this? Why is this happening? Well, well, you know, we're trying to get the lowest price we can on a t-shirt. So they bought the lowest quality t-shirt they possibly could. And what happened? People just threw it away. So Mark's like, well, this is a branding exercise for us. Why are we, why are we going low end on something we want to put our brand on? So I would say the best, one of the best ways to um, avoid things ending up in the landfill is to buy a higher end product and buy a better quality product and put something you want to put your brand on as opposed to buying the lowest end thing you can possibly find that usually ends up being thrown away. So, I mean, I'm glad there are people out there trying to figure out what to do with all the trash, but step one would be how about make it not trash to begin with. Make it actually a branded product that you want to keep and keep using and keep keep uh, wearing and keep using if, uh, if it's not apparel, some other product. So. Thought that was interesting that he had that insight, and sure enough, we've uh, we've up leveled those products for selling to the Mavericks and others to make those white outs and blue outs and brown outs um, not only great sporting events but great branding events for the uh, teams. 
David, I can, I'm just going to jump in a second. I, I couldn't agree with you more. We talk about the number one uh, focus of sustainability being longevity, right? We all, we all have them. We have that product, that T-shirt, that, that sweater, whatever it might be, that's always on top of the pile in our closets or in our drawer because we'll wear that a dozen times before we wear something else. So striving to build that product that gets you know more wear hours out of that product than anything else uh, should be everyone's key focus when it comes to sustainability. And just another story, sort sort of along the lines of what you mentioned. Um, my daughter, she's 18 now. I think it was two summers ago. She was 16. She participated in one of these 10K races, and they gave out a opening price point, sort of really inexpensive product as the shirt for the race. And, you know, these creative 16-year-olds, they had this product cropped and cut and braided and tied. And, you know, all of the friends showed up to the race with like a little sewing kit to sort of make it fashionable before the race even started. It was very clear these garments were never going to be worn again after the event. Um, so, yes, speaking to your point, longevity should be, um, you know, front and center when it comes to, to our sustainability efforts. Yeah, I think it's a really, really good, good, right point. Yeah. yeah, so systemically addressing it in our space is buy the right products and they the longevity, right word, longevity of the product goes on and um, never ends up in the landfill. You're not dealing with it. There is so much I want to unpack just from that. Um, and so I'm going to start with point one, and then I want to go back to something you said, David, about all this terminology that we've thrown around or we throw around these days, right? Um, and I, I tend to agree with you. It's hard to have something universal right now, right? Because I, I feel like we're still working toward that progress. It means something different to everybody. Um, when you hear terms like sustainable, eco-friendly, um, environmentally aware, lower your footprint, all these things, I, I think that that can mean something different to everybody. But what we can all decide on is, or agree upon is that like you guys pointed out, like it, it starts with like that longevity. This is how it's applicable to our industry. You outlined some things, David, that you guys are already implementing. So um, let me ask you this in terms of terminology. Why is it so dangerous to just throw around those terms loosely um, and not, you know, really understand what it is you're doing and defining what you're doing, you know, both as a decorator and as an apparel manufa manufacturer, um, why can that be dangerous? And, and um, David, I'll start with you on that one. Well, I think, you know, again, <clears throat> just the, I mean, and I, I think the, 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 the simple answer is that you can get, you can get, you can get on the wrong path or kind of get just misguided or, or get distracted. And, and I don't think any of this stuff is really, people are doing it to be, um, deceptive or misleading. I think it's just a matter of people are kind of, like I said, kind of, we're sort of in that, that kind of thrashing it out mode. We're trying to get their, their acts together and kind of figure out how to, how to document it. So I think, I think that, you know, the danger is that you kind of, you kind of get on the wrong path or you, or you, or you, um, you know, think you're doing the right thing or make, making the right decision and find out, Oh, wow, I didn't do that. So again, I think it's just a matter of, um, you know, kind of, looking into it a little bit more than just maybe the headlines and kind of just double clicking on a little bit and getting a little bit further into it, just to understand, again, some terminology and some things like that, because it isn't consistent. And um, just understand, but I do think people in general, given the benefit of the doubt, are willing to do the right thing. So it's just a matter of probably of not, probably look before you leave, I guess I would say, as, as you're kind of getting into this and make sure that 
you know, you apply and you, you figure out what you want to do. And, and for our customers, this is beginning to be a real, you know, kind of an RFP or a requirement, right? A lot of a lot of their customers, the end users, larger corporations certainly had this as a tick mark and like just, you know, give me the answer. So <clears throat> I think that's the part where um, it can get a little tricky. And so I think we, we just need to continue to work on simplifying it down, making it digestible, um, and to the degree we can kind of continue to kind of hone in on more consistent terminology and, and what this means, you know, when we're referring to it. Ash, just to jump in on that, you know, so I look at this and the complexity and the terminology, I really look at it um, at this stage in the process as a positive uh, when you look at where that's come from, right? So you've got retailers and retail groups trying to address the problem. You've got, you know, Fortune 500 consumer products manufacturers trying to address it. You've got NGOs that have stepped in to try to figure out how to provide guidance. So, you know, from B Corp to HIG Index to all these different initiatives, there will be a common language that will emerge. And it's really very healthy, while it might be frustrating right now, it's very healthy that all these initiatives and all this momentum is sort of building and it will get harmonized, right? So it'll take some time, it'll be confusing in the interim, but it's the result of a lot of effort and a lot of energy coming at the problem, even though maybe not yet in a concerted way. Right. So one of the things to think about that we really haven't touched upon yet is, you know, we talk about sustainable, but looped into this conversation are other aspects that fall in the broader sort of ESG world. Right. When we talk about ESG, we talk about environmental, which is where we're really focusing on the sustainability aspect of impacts on our planet. Um, we have the social component about you know, workers' rights and living wage and what does all of that mean in different countries where products are sourced? And then last, corporate governance. And what is the mindset? And that's sort of, um, David alluded to that in terms of one of the, the Alpha Broden metrics is, you know, a responsible mindset. Um, and once you lump that all together, yes, you get this like soup of, of, of acronyms that are floating around, and the important thing I think to take away is that it's not black or white. Products are not either sustainable or not sustainable. This is a journey. And most of the manufacturers in our industry have started on that journey. Some are further along than others. Some are possibly more cost effective at what they're doing than others. But it's a journey and it really requires education to understand where along that journey are each of the products that I'm considering? I love that, referring to it as a journey, because you're absolutely right. It's not something we're just all going to snap our fingers and it's just magically going to fix, right? Like this is going to be a, a long process of everybody working together. Um, one of the terms that I hear used a lot, not only in our industry, but just in the world in general, is fast fashion, right? I mean, I think when COVID hit, it it just took over by storm. Um, and I find it interesting the way that fast fashion is sort of, you know, defined and approached. Um, and, and Abe, I'll start with you. I mean, how do you really see that term fast fashion sort of going beyond the Amazon mindset and really starting to stick its fingers into our industry? And how are we 
you know, as apparel decorators, as apparel manufacturers, addressing that? Yeah, so we have good visibility um, into the retail world. Um, you know, the, the parent company of Threadfast um, services big box retail. And in that space, you know, the notion of fast fashion really started with the streetwear and urban brands that were launched, you know, 20, 25 years ago. It used to be a, a brand came out with four, maybe five collections a season um, until the streetwear companies started with like eight, nine, 10 drops a year. It was almost a monthly drop with the exception of maybe July and December. And all of a sudden you had this three, four week, really hectic cycle, but it provided the consumer with a tremendous amount of newness. You know, we have to really, you know, parse and, and dissect the notion of fast fashion versus disposable fashion. And what we spoke about earlier in terms of longevity. So I think the consumer is gonna vote with their wallets. And ultimately we're seeing a movement towards, even at retail, right? Not just in our industry, but more so at, at higher price retail of people looking for more um, durable, long lasting product. I think part of it is in our DNA and our um, American sort of consumption mentality. I think it's different when you travel to Europe and to some other places in the world where um, you know people look at some of the purchases that they're making maybe in, more, in terms of a, a longer term, um, higher quality, uh, longer longevity type product. Um, and the truth, it creates some really challenging dynamics for retailers that have sort of established themselves uh, as fast fashion, right? So we'll see how that plays out. Ultimately, the consumer will vote with their wallet insight there because we, you know you notice as as different generations come into the you know the major buying group um things seem to change each time so that's a very interesting perspective um one thing i want to talk about um and david i'll start with you on this um just because you've already touched on it i think more than once but let's kind of return and really dissect it is it's one thing to talk the talk right but it's another thing to walk the walk. So you had already outlined a couple of things that like Alpha Broder is doing. Um, AB have outlined a few things that Threadfast is doing. Um, but from mills and manufacturers all the way to decorators and buyers, in your opinion, what truly needs to happen in order to implement real change when it comes to sustainability? I think it's beginning to happen. I mean, it, it, as always, uh, these things are a financial, financially driven. I mean, is it, as altruistic as we all want to be, and I think we all do want to be that way, but usually the forcing function is, is, is dollars. And what we're seeing is in the Fortune 500, Fortune 1000, uh, all the way through to many of our customers, customers, the end users are really driving us back upstream. And, I, and again, I think it's as much as the supply chain on the, on the very top end of the supply chain, I think, you know, they're being pushed, me these companies by their shareholders and people like that. So again, it, it, I think, What's happening is it, it, we're doing the right things for the for the right reasons, but as usual, those things get get you know accelerated when the business itself begins to require them. And I think we're starting to see that happen. That's what's in, in the, the the volume on this conversation, and not just volume, but the to Abe's point, the depth of conversation and the more the the, the more I think actionable the conversation has increased um, significantly in the last three years. I mean, and, and so we're just beginning to really, really have the real serious conversations about it. So I think 
you know, the forcing function is the business. And I think it's a good thing. It's, it's businesses are beginning to push this back upstream and saying, we want the people we work with to have a similar mindset. I mean, and mainly the, that's being driven a lot by the people who work at these businesses. So the, the, the people who now work in these companies are asking their company, what do you stand for? Why, why, are, we, why are we accepting these things? And so it's, it's really a, a groundswell that starts with the, your constituency at the, at the company you're running perhaps, and, the, and your employees and your team members saying, hey, what do we stand for? They push that back upstream and it continues to move. And I think it's a, it's a it, I think to me, that's the forcing function. And of course, the, 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 the driver here is the sustainability of the planet and everything, all of our resources, natural resources, um, is, is a outlined the ESG pieces of it, you know, the environmental, piece, environmental pieces, but also the social pieces that now we're much more attuned to and much more aware of and have, thank goodness, a much stronger point of view on and take that right into our businesses and vote with our wallets and vote with how we're going to spend our dollars. And then at the end of the day, that's what moves things. Where the dollars move is what moves things. So that's when it becomes real. So it makes it a business decision based on these things. And we're starting to see that. And I think that's what's making it you know, kind of very real in our, in our space. Cass, the other thing that we're seeing um, is, you know, I like to say it all the time, everybody wants to be green until it costs a penny more, right. right? When it costs a penny more, we'll let the other guy be green, I'm good. I speak at some of these large, um, you know, buying groups and I ask to, to, to them to show me, a, a, you know, by show of hands, how many of their customers would be willing to pay more for a sustainably sourced product. And to David's point, you know, three years ago, you wouldn't see a hand in the room. Today, you're seeing people understand that, you know what? Yes, there's a trade-off and I'm willing to spend a little more. On the flip side of that, we're seeing a critical mass achieved in certain areas of the supply chain that allowing us to bring product to market at cost parity, with very strong sustainable attributes. So we work a lot with uh, BCI, the Better Cotton Initiative. They train farmers around the world on the most sustainable way to grow cotton. Is it organic? It's not organic. We cannot reach cost parity at organic. There's a whole debate about whether organic cotton is the best deal for the environment. But you know what? We're making our impact at a cost, at a value proposition, that is really very compelling. Similar conversation with regards to recycled polyester, right? We have a, a tipping point almost where the incremental cost to use recycled polyester versus virgin polyester, it's, it's almost at parity. So these, these decisions for suppliers, for manufacturers are becoming a little bit easier. And to David's point, the push, the momentum to say, you know what? We'll spend a little more because it matters. It matters to our customers. It matters to our shareholders. So we're sort of feeling like this groundswell where a lot more product will find its way to the consumer in our industry because these friction points are starting to melt away. Yeah, I and mean, just just to add to that, I mean, you know, scale helps everything. And so, I mean, when when it's when it's a nascent point and it's and it's a you know. It's a it's it's a very nascent you know, manufacturing process or um, or uh, raw material. Then you have a problem because it's going to be more expensive. Just by that's just the way that e economics work. 
but to the degree it begins to scale and, and, and all of a sudden it's a tipping point, to Ed's point, there's a tipping point. All of a sudden, if you get enough scale, well, the economics work and all of a sudden you can bring it, the price points down, you can bring everything into in focus. So it really is a, you know, a matter of kind of finding that tipping point. And once you do that, then, then it allows you know, everyone to um, participate. And it's no different than anything. It's, it's just economics, really. I mean, that's the way it works. And so I think we're beginning to see that. And it's great to hear that from A. We're beginning to see that on the manufacturing side that, you know, they're, they're beginning to find, you know, pricing and price points that are, allow us that don't raise our costs. Because you're right, three, three years ago, there were no hands in the room. Um, this last year, we asked that question amongst, um, uh, you know, 30 or 40 customers in a, in a, in a kind of an informational session. And I'd say 65% raised their hand. And, and it was it was interesting, really interesting to see that kind of that kind of switch, because um, we've had, you know, we've had products like this forever, but no one wants to pay for them, and so now it's a it's a, that, that's a big change, really good point. So then, Abe, what would you say to the apparel decorators out there, the shop owners out there who think it's not financially necessary or that they can't afford to make these types of changes? What advice would you give them? You know, we said earlier, the, the consumer, your customer will vote with their wallets, but you have a responsibility to be an educated supplier. So, you know, when, when presenting product, um, you know, you have to be offering a solution. And if that solution means that you're selling a promotional t-shirt, that's a little bit more expensive, but maybe it's going to get that many more eyeballs for the sponsor of the event or whatever the the purpose of that product might be, that's a, that's a really compelling proposition. So my advice would be that number one, it's not black or white, it's shades of gray. So look for the proposition, the value proposition that provides you the right balance between a sustainable initiative, an ESG sourced product that still meets the value, the price, the budget of the project and Educate yourself so that you can then educate your customer. Yes, it's confusing, but you know what? Dedicate a few hours. You understand where each of these, um, you know, monikers, each of these um, affiliations fit within this jigsaw puzzle of ESG today. And before you know it, you'll be able to speak intelligently and educate your customer on what it is that you're offering and why. There's a range of possibilities and which might be best for them. Any tips you want to add to that, David? No, I think that was really well said. I mean, at the, you know, to be slightly more blunt, at the end of the day, if you don't take these steps, you're going to find yourself on the outside looking in and being somewhat unprepared to navigate and, 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 and deal with this. So um, I think it's, a, it's, it's good advice that I was just kind of sharing there. Absolutely. And both of you mentioned it. Education is one of the best places to start. So let's talk about a couple of those education options. One is the Decorators Hub brought to you by Alpha Broder. David, you've shared this information for, with us before, but just in case people missed it, where can our listeners find the Decorators Hub? So you go to, Delta to alphabroder.com um, and just look at our resource center and it's uh, right there, Decorators Hub. Um, and yes, you can find that the information there around this. We also have um, on alphabroder.com our eye care um, uh, landing page and eye care um, web, I guess, 
website area that talks about our commitment to um, ESG and all the details around what I mentioned before, how we're kind of um, identifying our products as sustainable, manufacturing, materials, mindset. Um, so check out our iCare um, website as well. That's another area you can get a lot of information about this. All of that's found on alphabrother.com. Perfect. Abe, any places where we can send our listeners for ThreadFast where they might be able to learn more? Certainly. If you visit ThreadFast.com, ThreadFast.com, you'll take a look at the three pillars of our sustainability initiative, uh, namely the BCI cotton we spoke about, recycled polyester, and our partnership with One Tree Planted. Uh, we have links to each of those sites so you can educate yourself on um, the work they do and why they're a very compelling value proposition. Um, so I encourage people to read up on it. It's not that time consuming and um, it just, uh, it's information is very well presented and allows you to speak intelligently with your customer base. Thank you both so much for sharing those educational resources. I know that listeners are always looking for opportunities to learn more. In addition, I encourage everybody out there to head on over to apparelist.com. We have a lot of coverage on this topic. Um, we've worked with our subject matter experts at Printing United Alliance on some of the new laws and regulations that are taking place. Um, it's always something we're paying attention to. And then just encourage everybody to reach out to, uh, to us with any thoughts, questions. I'm always happy to help make those connections. And that's all we have time for today. So again, thanks, Abe. Thanks, David, for joining us. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you, Cassie. Thank you, Cassie. It's great. Great topic. Good, good topic. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks guys.